fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 48 of the third season of the Fantasy Fullback Dive brought to you by the good people at the Rose Street Journal. The Fantasy Fullback Dive, of course, your lead blocker that's going to pave the way to fantasy glory, fantasy championships, fantasy thumbing your nose at your fellow man and women if you happen to have one or two in your league, but let's be honest, you don't. My name is Nat The Truth Jones. With me, as always, the Wolf of Roto Street himself. Uh, and Wolf, I, I'm sorry, I've missed our last two podcasts. I feel like I've pretty much been 100% for, I don't know, three years. And, uh, you know, I, I got sick. And, you know, I was not 100%. I couldn't do it. I was like Gronk out there. And I uh, decided to just kind of ride the pine and wait till I was uh, full strength so I could get my snap count up. But, you know, sorry about the lag in production. That's not something we usually do at the Rose Street Journal. I know, I know. It's a little, uh, it, just a gaping hole in my life, not having the fullback dive these last couple. I knew I was feeling dark and depressed these last couple of days. Couldn't place it until I heard that disgusting voice again, and now I realize that's what I've been missing in my life. Yeah, I did actually get a bunch of people kind of harassing me about it. Like, where's the pod? That kind of, oh, like, yeah, me it, too, it, it, it annoyed me and made me feel good. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, you know, we got uh, our loyal wolves, baby. We do have some loyal wolves out there. Um, you know, I had I had a really bad fantasy week, so it was bad. I was sick, and then I had a bad week. I had four teams, of course, as you know, and my hometown team, which is a really was a really good team. I'm I'm in a death spiral, and now I'm uh, I'm an almost a must win here, and you know, okay. I'm I'm being destroyed by buys. I got I have this amazing four receiver receiving core, and three of them are on buy. And, uh, yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm in big trouble here, potentially. We're going to see what happens. I will say, though, I went to bed on, I think, Monday, thinking that I had lost all four of my games uh, mm. and woke up and it had actually won two of them by, like, one point. Not because I did Ooh. anything good, just because, like, the other uh, guy didn't do anything. Our good buddy, uh, uh, Roto Joe, was the victim of one of those in the Roto Street Journal League. <laughs> I ended up winning by like two points. Totally didn't deserve it, but uh, but totally won. I think when I went to bed, I had like a 12% chance of winning. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, it was nice. So anyway, 2-2 two and two instead of 0-4, not too shabby. Um, yeah. We got a little bit of a different pod today. Usually the Wednesday pod is, you know, we're getting you completely ready for, you know, we're, we're previewing the week, basically. We're telling you what's going on. And it is possible we might pump another of those out tomorrow. We'll see uh, if I'm able to do it. My kid has basketball tryouts. Um, but what we're going to do for this episode, actually, pretty cool, pretty exciting. If you listen to this, you're going to get a lot of knowledge you might not get anywhere else. Or at least if you get it, it won't be as thrown and uh, there'll be a lot of nonsense thrown in there with it. Uh, we're going to talk strength of schedule the rest of the way. I mean, obviously the fantasy playoffs are what it's all about. You make the playoffs, then you got to win. Uh, and, you know, obviously to get in the playoffs, you got you to gotta win those last few weeks and you got to do it. So what we're going to talk about right now, we got quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. We're going to talk about the top five guys 
with the easiest schedules remaining uh, that would you know indicate they're probably due for some big fantasy uh, performances, and also the guys at those positions with the most difficult fantasy schedules remaining. So uh, if you're going to be shuffling some of the chairs on the Titanic or anything before the ever-approaching trade deadline, this is actually something you should really take into consideration. It's a big deal, and it's, it's not an exaggeration to say this could win you a league or lose you a league. Um, obviously, we don't have time to go all five for every position, um, so I'm going to list them off so you have the information. Then the Wolf's going to elaborate on like a couple guys. We'll keep it to about 90 seconds a guy. That should get us out of here on time. Um, and I just want to be clear. If, if you want to read the full write-ups on all the guys, this guide is available. The uh, Trade mm-hmm. Deadline Strength of Schedule Guide. Wolf, why don't you tell everyone where they can find this if they don't already have it? Absolutely. And already the, the reviews coming in to just, we've never had a guide like this, never seen it. This <laughs> is awesome, perfect yeah. for this time of year. So a lot of positive feedback on just one day of releasing it. So pumped to hear that. And if you want to get your own copy, rotostreetjournal.com slash SOS. It's pretty much, again, 2018 trade deadline strength of schedule guide. It's the last kind of two or three days you have to trade with other owners. Yes, you can still improve your team on waiver wires. Maybe you find the right handcuff. Maybe you hit that stretch run hero. But still, trades are just so crucial. And to make sure you're making those right moves, strength of schedule has to be something you consider. Whether, again, you're win-now mode and you just got to get it done. We have that you know, rest of season instant next two weeks that you got to get those guys. We have the, the playoffs. If you're 7-1, and one, you're sitting pretty and you know you're getting in. Maybe you even have a bye. We'll go into just weeks 15 and 16 specifically. Uh, fantasy playoff schedule analysis as well and we'll yes we'll give you a kind of a sneak preview here but if you want all the in-depth analysis again that's rotostreetjournal.com slash sos make sure you hit that guide up a free guide for all wolfpack members and right now the wolfpack is still free to join so all of it's free join in let us know your thoughts it's uh, i i haven't seen anything else out here like this and i think it's some of the most important information you can do especially at this time of the year where trade deadline is hitting check it out again one more time rotostreetjournal.com slash sos can't wait to hear your thoughts wolfpack yeah no kidding i'm actually really excited to do this one and you know i'm a little bit uh, we were pretty much on autopilot the way we were doing the preview shows and, right. and all that stuff. And so this is a little bit different, but uh, we can adapt and it's worth it to put content like this out. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to get right into it. We're going to go into the five easiest rest of schedule or the rest of the season uh, quarterback schedules. Uh, and we're gonna, I'm going to read them to you in order. And then the Wolf's going to talk to you about two of them. And I'm going to give him three minutes total to talk about the two guys. Uh, I like it. Number one, Joe Flacco. Number two, Cam Newton. Number three, Dak Prescott. Ew. Number four, Drew Brees, and number five, Baker Mayfield. Wolf, which of these guys are you going to talk about? I mean, yeah, you, this list is pretty littered with those gross names, uh, like you mentioned. I heard you say "ew" at one point. So it's, Dak Prescott nothing too is what exciting. I said "ew" about. Just to yeah, be clear. I mean, Flacco, Prescott, Mayfield, all "ew." But then you got Cam Newton and Drew Brees, who should right. be getting that downstairs blood flowing. But you're uh, not going to get your hands on those guys. No, it's tricky to get those guys. But let's uh, quickly run through uh, at least you know Cam Newton and Drew Brees. Just the two big games there. Both of them, uh, especially Drew Brees, have been a little bit inconsistent this season. Uh, just the quarterback eleven, and he's had a few duds. You know, fresh off a six point eight fancy point dud, and then this weekend obviously had a monster blow up. But maybe that's your selling point. You know, he's inconsistent. The running game is being leaned on more than ever uh, because when he's blown up, it's been very clear. A lot of it's matchup dependent. Tampa Bay, Atlanta. Oh. He's got both those guys on the matchup coming forward. So I love Drew Brees down the stretch at Tampa Bay in week 14 and in Pittsburgh in week 
16. Uh, and then Carolina, week 15, sandwiched in between that, which is the 17th easiest, uh, but still a potential shootout. So I love Drew Brees for your stretch runs. I think he could go absolutely bananas, and you could still buy him a little bit lower because he has been just so up and down on the season. And you said ew on Dak Prescott, but yeah, I do I think there's a little bit of upside here. And I know that's crazy. Obviously, we predicted this guy is going to be largely irrelevant this season. He's got no weapons, no one to throw to. He hadn't talked 15 fantasy points uh, on the entire season other than one time and two eight-point duds mixed in. They're just god-awful. Uh, but the last two weeks entering this last Monday night football game, he had a two-plus 20-point performances, 29 against Jacksonville, 20 against Washington. He's starting to get those legs under him, rushing points. He had you know, an 18-point mediocre day on Monday night football, but he's starting to roll. And now now he gets a true number one receiver in Amari Cooper, and he looked like the true number one guy. Yeah, and he there. looked all right. Heavily targeted, heavily peppered, uh, and did some damage. Looked great as a route runner the entire game. His feet are still there. So only 37% owned coming into this show, and now he gets to face off with Philadelphia twice, who tenth against the you know tenth easiest matchup. Atlanta, the the second easiest. New Orleans, the third easiest. Tampa Bay, the first easiest. Then Indy. Uh, the, the scariest matchup at 12th. None of that is scary at all. Almost all green lights. If you check out the guide, you'll notice it's kind of laid out where it will tell you if it's a green light, red light, or yellow matchup. And Dak Prescott, these last weeks, there's no red. Uh, and and f- uh, five out of the seven are green light. You know, bottom five defense is just complete gold. So as gross as he's been, and, and it seems disgusting, he's had a few really good weeks lately and seems to really be on the upswing. And this schedule could make him an absolute fantasy title winner. And then Joe Flacco, another guy widely out there, but I wouldn't put too much stock in him. The only reason I actually bring up the Raiders quarterback before we move on to the hardest schedules is it could become Lamar Jackson's gig. They're struggling. Uh, They might get knocked out of playoff contention. And if it becomes Lamar Jackson's gig and he gets to start riding this beautiful schedule, plus he's got the the running ability, it could be a a season changer down the stretch run Lamar Jackson could be. So just keep that in mind. We're going to dive into other... Uh, Ravens in a little bit, so I didn't want to go too much into Flacco, but they're at the this top of every single list, so Ravens, 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 keep that in mind when you're thinking of strength of schedule right now. Such an easy cakewalk matchup. So. Alright, let's talk about the quarterbacks with the toughest time moving forward. Andrew Luck at number 32. We're obviously just talking about the starters. 31, Matt Stafford. 30, Pat Mahomes. 29, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. And 28, Deshaun Watson. couple Rotor Street Journal darlings there on that list. Um, that's interesting. Let's uh, Three minutes. Talk about as many as you want. Right. And, you, you know, you, we give you this guide to take action and let you know what moves you have to make. But let's preface it. You said Darling's an absolute yeah, darling. Man. Pat Mahomes, you're mm. not moving this guy because his schedule is a little bit daunting. This guy is matchup proof. There's no way, no defense out there that can shut down this weaponry, this arm. It's such a dangerous uh, combination. And he is just a genuine I'd send out there. So you're not just selling Mahomes to the schedule. The only thing I would say to consider is if you can move him and let's say you get like a Devontae Adams or, you know, an elite running back one horse, then maybe consider it depending on if you have a backup, depending on if, you know, Dak or Flacco is out there as a streamer. Even then, though, you're, you're kind of tempting the fantasy gods to just fucking hate you if you send away this gift that, you know, is almost like Jesus Christ came down from the fantasy gods, Pat right. Mahomes this season. So ultimately, yeah. 
yes, we want you to take action based on the strength of schedule. We wouldn't put all this time into making a guide on it. But there's certain times you have to just kind of say, okay, take it with a grain of salt. Pat Mahomes is one of those times. Schedule isn't going to apply to him. But one guy I would be nervous about, and this guy is fifth in quarterback points uh, per game on the season. That's Andrew Luck. He's been really thriving as of late. Frank Reich's very pass-heavy system, second in the league in pass attempts. Uh, and he's just been on absolute fire lately. Three touchdowns and 22 fantasy points in every game uh, since week four. So he's been money, but he's also been feasting on some pretty damn bad defenses. And now you look at his slate, and it's just an absolute fucking nightmare. He's got all red. We're talking red, green, and yellow lights. Uh, no green lights on this schedule. And five out of seven come against a 26th or better against quarterbacks. Uh, in, in terms of the least amount of points allowed. So he's got a, a dangerous murderer's row Jacksonville twice. Houston's been great against quarterbacks. Dallas and Tennessee really love to slow down the pace of the game. Uh, so I, I'm very nervous about Andrew Luck. All his weapons have tough matchups, too, in terms of fantasy strength of schedule. Colts, 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 you know, where the Ravens were bye, bye, bye. Colts, I'm selling high because they've been playing great, especially Luck. And, and Frank Reich's system has looked pretty explosive. So that's going to be fresh on people's minds. And I think he's going to really take a turn for the worst here uh, down the, the stretch run, especially considering all these teams sport solid pass rushes as well. So I'm real nervous about him. The last quick guy to mention, Matt Stafford, second worst schedule uh, behind Andrew Luck. And, and he's just been very bleh all year. He's 86% owned, and I think it should be 20% owned based on his schedule. He's done nothing. He, he lost, lost one his of top, top receiver, right? In Golden Tate. Uh, and not a single green, just like Andrew Luck, not a single green matchup. Two tough dates with the Bears. Uh, you got Arizona, the 31st, you know, the Rams, Buffalo, just all tough matchups for Stafford. He's not very exciting anyways. So at that point, why burn a roster spot on a guy that brings you no upside that's not going to win you weeks because of how tough his schedule is? He wasn't winning you weeks anyways. Cut Stafford. I love it. Cut Stafford right on the three-minute uh, right. mark. <laughs> Don't have to twist my arm, man. All yes, right, let's go to running backs. This is key, man. This is important stuff to know. I personally have a platoon of four running backs, and I struggle every week. Should we quickly – we don't have to go into analysis, but I did want to mention the playoff schedules too for those owners that are – you know, seven, what, what not. Top five easiest, Big Ben, Drew Brees, Cam Newton, Flacco, Carr. Okay. So Big Ben, the easiest. Just the only real new name there uh, that you should care about. But, man, he could go off. And then hardest is Carson Wentz, Pat Mahomes, Alex Smith, Stafford, and Nick Mullins. You got worse problems if you're starting Nick Mullins. In your fantasy playoffs, you're not going to be worried about it. But Carson Wentz, the hardest new- schedule. Something to, to keep in mind. We want to stress once again. We want to flash this in bold print across the screen. Uh, if Nick if Nick Mullins is your starting quarterback, you might want to try to make better arrangements. Not not because he's not an amazing quarterback, but just because you know he has a slightly difficult schedule down the stretch. Otherwise, right. otherwise ride that pony like the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, like Pat Mahomes matchup proof. Nick Mullins, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, if you if you're worried about Mahomes, you know maybe pick up Mullins. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. <laughs> uh, if you just tuned in right now for this few seconds, like go back and listen because I didn't mean anything that I just said. <laughs> All right, uh, running backs. Uh, let's talk about who's got the easiest schedule the rest of the way. Uh, number one, you're going to talk about that committee in Baltimore. Baltimore, uh, Alex Collins, Ty Montgomery, Ty, I'm going to run the ball out of the end zone, Montgomery, when I'm not supposed to, and Buck Allen. Uh, second, the Cardinals, David Johnson. Third, you got the Browns contingency of uh, you know, newly rejuvenated Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson. That's kind of intriguing. Mm-hmm. Then you got yeah. the Packers, Aaron Jones, uh, Jamal Williams, throw him in there too, I guess. And then the Chargers, Melvin Gordon. 
maybe you could throw Austin Eckler in there too, but Gordon is obviously the workhorse there. Uh, talk about two of those guys. You got or as many guys as you want. You got three minutes. All right, let's hit them as many as we can. I'd like to start with Collins, who just gets his horrible rep this season, buried by many early. Yeah, yeah he's because you, actually... you, you were uh, crucifying the guy like a few weeks ago. That's I know. Why I, be... That's why I hate him is because you hate him. And I think every expert, there's there's just a lot of general hate around Collins. But when you look at how he's actually been playing, it was easy to hate him because Buck Allen was involved and it was really obnoxious. And he was still scoring a decent amount of touchdowns to the ring of running back 19 right now. Yes, he had no ceiling during that. uh, But the floor was surprisingly decent for him. Uh, Double digits in five out of eight games this season, three of his last four. So he's been starting to catch heat and has been better than most would realize, especially myself included there. I really hated him. Uh, And then he's got this this upcoming schedule, which is just ridiculous. Uh, all green matchups except one in Week 16 against the Chargers, which isn't even that scary. Uh, unbelievable slate of games there from Weeks 11 through 15. They're on a Week 10 bye. This guy is going to feast. He has a stretch run hero last year. And I- I think five of the six final games coming against bottom 10, we're going to see another stretch run hero type of thing from Collins. And I've seen him even released in some leagues. So mm. I don't think it will cost you a lot to get this guy, probably a flex type of uh, buy, and you'll end up getting a ton of production. David Johnson, obviously a bit underwhelming. Uh, running back 12, though, on the season. So nothing crazy bad. Just got fringe RB1. And now he gets Byron Leftwich coming in at OC, who already set uh, receiving high on the season with Byron Leftwich and his schedule completely littered with joke matchups. He it's hard in week 16 with the Rams, but other than that, all bottom six defenses. So David Johnson could have that running back one horse season you were hoping for. Uh, fresh off a of bye, too, so maybe his owner's desperate and you can get him uh, low. Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, you said it's very intriguing. Chubb in particular, 81% of the carries there since Hyde left. That's the highest carry share in the entire league. Very high-end RB2, low-end RB1 with 14 fantasy points in two of the games, 18 carries in all three. He's been just a highly used weapon, especially in the red zone, too. That touchdown streak is not going to end. He's going to be a beast down the stretch run with four cakewalk matchups. Another couple middle-of-the-road ones. Nothing to be afraid of here. So Chubb, the clear-cut early-down guy. Duke Johnson, uh, yes, he lit some receptions. Still an intriguing PPR piece, especially with Freddie Kitchens peppering him in that game, bringing back those Bruce Arians roots. Uh, but ultimately, Nick Chubb. This is the Nick Chubb show. He could be a season winner off your waiver wires a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and other than that, it's Melvin Gordon at number five. You know, I don't care about the Green Bay backfield. It's too inconsistent. I'm even Aaron Jones. It, yeah. I, it's Even though they have a nice schedule, I don't really care. But Melvin Gordon, already been a hero. He's going to carry you to the playoffs anyways, and he's going to carry you to titles. He's got all green matchups except two red ones. And even then, Pittsburgh gives up a ton of running back receptions. So Baltimore in Week 16, a little bit daunting. But that's not – I mean, it's, it's Melvin Gordon. He's matchup proof. He's a beast. And he's going to just destroy this absolute cake watch schedule moving forward. So I'm a huge fan. I already owe Melvin Gordon. I'm stoked that I do because he's going to just carry people to titles down the stretch. All right, let's talk about the guys that are going to be hitting brick walls in theory as far as like the running back schedules they're facing. Last place, 32, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Josh Adams. Blah. (laughs) New York Giants, Saquon Barkley, 30, Carrion Johnson and Theo Riddick. 29, Indianapolis Colts, Marlon Mack. I love how Marlon Mack now is just like by himself up there after all the <laughs> after all the musical chairs that was going on. And 28, Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman, question mark. Uh, all right, you got three minutes, go. 
Oh, won't waste a single more second on the Eagles' backfield. It's already disgusting, puke-worthy committee that's getting you no value. Darren Sproles back this weekend. Four-headed committee? Disgusting. Let's not waste any time because the schedule makes them even worse. Saquon Barkley, the second-worst schedule. Intriguing name to talk about. Would I recommend ever to sell high on Barkley? Maybe. I actually might because that offense is horrendous. No, and he's awful. been matchup proof all year. I get it. He's never been below 15 fantasy points. He's top 20 fantasy points in 50% of his games. His elite receiving ability kind of keeps him schedule proof. So I'm not overly nervous. But with hard defenses on the slate in general, that whole offense could get completely shut down. And that makes me pretty nervous for Barkley. More so, I want to bring up his name. If you're trying to package up a few players to get that one stud horse, don't make it Barkley. Go after Gore. Gordon, who we were just talking about, go after a Kamara, go after Kareem Hunt instead, but don't make it Barkley. Just considering these matchups, as much as I love the guy and his talent, he'd be like the least of that big five elite workhorses that I'd want on my oh, sure. team. Yeah. Um, that's the reason I bring him up. Detroit Lions, carry on Johnson, Theo Riddick. Uh, it doesn't matter anyways. Three-headed nightmare. Theo Riddick coming back to the lineup, gets eight targets, just kind of destroyed carry on Johnson's value afterwards. He was kind of feasting in the receiving game in Riddick's absence. Uh, and looked like a true workhorse, was dominating other than losing goal line touches to Blunt. But then Britta comes right back, steals that, and then you get 5.9 clunker out of Carrion Johnson. And then you mix in a brutal schedule that features five red light games, only one good game in Week 14 against Arizona. Carrion Johnson is not going to be the guy to get you to the playoffs. Uh, the last guy I definitely want to hit, though, is Marlon Mack. I already said sell Andrew Luck, and I'm going to say sell Marlon Mack. 30 points, 27 points his last two. His value is as high as it will ever be because I just hate the rest of the schedule. Both those two games were perfect situations for him to blow up like that. It was against Buffalo and the Raiders. There's not two more pathetic teams in the league than those two, and that sets up a run-heavy script for Mac. Gave him more of a workhorse role than I think he's really truly going to have moving forward. It's still Frank Craig's system. It's still a committee-based thing. And against two tough, against all tough matchups here down the stretch, I really think uh, other than Miami, it's going to be a real tough sledding for for Marlon Mack and the Colts in general and if it's tough contested games or if they're playing from behind Mac's going to get phased out a little bit for Naeem Hines going to be a more even split than we're used to seeing uh, and just I don't think that the scenarios are there for him to keep doing these 30 27 these monster blowups so everyone labeling him this low end RB1 if that's his price right now I'm going to sell it immediately try to get that high end wide receiver two, another running back uh, if people love Mac just not my guy I'm selling Mac based on the schedule uh, for sure all right, let's look at what the running back schedules are, just like my team for the fantasy playoffs. We're talking about week 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Is that like we're talking about? All right, just real real quick, uh, Cardinals number one, Ravens number two, Broncos number three, Panthers number four, Bengals number five. And if you're paying attention, because I know their RBs are significant sometimes, Vikings rolling in at number six. Um, if we're talking about the hardest running back playoff schedules, uh, those three weeks, the Bucks have the hardest. Yeah, gee, they already have a shitty running game. So like, you don't go all in on Peyton Barber right now, guys. Uh, Thirty-one Chiefs, thirty Giants, twenty-nine Saints, and twenty-eight Washington Redskins. All right, let's move to wide receivers. Five guys with the easiest rest of season uh, schedules. Uh, Carolina Panthers contingency. I guess really we're going to go by team here because this is how it's going. The, the Panthers contingency of Funchess, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuels has supposedly the the easiest schedule here on in. Uh, Second, those pass-happy Dallas Cowboys. Amari Cooper and uh, Michael Gallup. Cole Beasley with Alan Hearns watching. I don't know. Number three, (laughs) uh, the Ravens. John Brown, Michael Crabtree. Willie, the blonde muskrat Sneed, the fourth. 
And uh, New Orleans Saints, Michael Thomas, Traycon Smith, maybe Des Bryant. Hello? Are you kidding? Maybe making a, a last-second bid to stay in the Nutcracker set. We'll see what happens. Did you, did you see he just signed today? Yeah, Des yeah Bryant? I'm saying. I mean, I the guy said to himself, if I don't sign a contract like this week, there's no way those guys are going to keep me in the Nutcracker set. Right. Number yeah, five, <laughs> number five, the Bengals, A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. You got three minutes, Wolf. Talk to us about these wide receivers that have cakewalks the rest of the way. Absolutely. Uh, Carolina, the easiest schedule on 13 through 16. I, I mean, win now teams might not want to turn to these guys, and it's a little bit inconsistent. Who is that number one guy? It seems to me it's got to be Fonchess, the biggest body, the guy that can get it done in every layer of the field. Uh, one week it's DJ Moore, the next week it's Samuel. So that's kind of a game that's dicey to play. So other, it, really this offense funnels through McCaffrey and Olsen. So even if they have the easiest possible schedule, it's tough to act upon it with those guys. And just more so, it's worth holding holding on to DJ Moore, even if he had his dud game this last week in case he can catch fire and really start to blow up. I wouldn't be sending him to the waiver wire yet because of that schedule. Amari Cooper though, what an impressive debut. We already talked about it with Dak, uh, but 58 yards TD, kind of the clear cut go-to guy route running looked as pristine as ever. Uh, Linehan is kind of true to his system of just funneling it to one guy. And then you mix in the second easiest schedule down the stretch run here, including a, a just beautiful playoff schedule as well. There's all all green on Amari's schedule other than week 15 against Indy, which is the 23rd. And they're not that good anyways. I'm not that worried about the Indy defense at all. So Cooper, beautiful setup in terms of volume, schedule. Uh, and Dax just loves getting him the rock clearly. So I think Cooper could make up for all those sins he's been committing this year. If you've hung strong, I think you're, you're, you're going to get yourself a nice little stretch run hero. Uh, the, the, Brown, the Ravens right now, John Brown, what a great buy low. He's fresh off of two awful duds, 4.3 and 3.2. Just disgusting. Disgusting. I own him. He's my wide receiver, too. It's been killing me yeah, because of it. Been killing uh, but too. I, it's awful. 16% of target share. So he's been behind the blonde muskrat of all people and Crabtree and targets. But the quality of those targets are still there. The deep ball, the, the red zone share is, is very high with Brown. So now that he gets the matchup to kind of facilitate more completions, when they got the Bengals, the Falcons, the Bucks, uh, three of the bottom five defenses in the league, and then only the yellow lights, no red lights here. Oakland, awful, obviously. Kansas City, awful, obviously. Week 16, the Chargers, nothing scary there. This matchup, this calendar is just a complete joke. Uh, so I think Brown, obviously, in a bye this week, too. So if his owner's pissed and, and hurting because of these bad uh, matchups, I think John Brown, a fantastic buy low. And the Saints, I mean, Michael Thomas's dick is obviously humongous. 211 yards, touchdown, just monster. But this is kind of like the I mean, Des Bryant's joining the receiving core. Yeah, I, what a collection of inches there <laughs> under those two. Ridiculous. But Michael Thomas, uh, man, he, this guy is a beast. 211 yards TD. And what I bring him up for is obviously he's not really widely available on the market. But if you're sacking up a humongous bounty to get a true number one target hog, make it Michael Thomas. Tampa Bay week 14, Pittsburgh week 16, both bottom six defenses against it. And then the next three matchups are all bottom five. It's just a joke of a schedule. This guy is only going to continue to dominate so you gotta love Michael Thomas uh, as the, the number one receiver moving forward I love it and then Tyler Boyd with AJ Green banged up is set, already set for a ton of targets and it's the, the fifth easiest schedule he's gonna be that waiver wire hero that just is a monster wish I had him 
I also really just appreciate the fact that you uh, included the word bounty when talking about the Saints, even though I know you didn't do it on purpose. That was good. Or maybe you did. Maybe you're just that slick. Maybe am I that slick? Yeah. I don't know. know. You surprised me sometimes. What did I say? A bounty of inches? (laughs) No, no, no. I think you said cornucopia of inches. Oh, yeah. Uh, Five hardest rest of uh, season wide receiver schedules. And you've been talking about getting off the the Colts train if you were ever on it. Uh, And they're worst. Then the Bears at 31 uh dolphins at 30 titans at 29 28 the chiefs honestly of that group the chiefs the only one that was really enticing to me before seeing that uh Mm -hmm. tell us why we should be so scared all these guys right i think you just nailed the the the, hit the nail on the head right there is that you probably weren't that attracted to any of these receivers ty hilton maybe one of them that has had some some pretty big days here uh top 13 and four of his six games played so he's been pretty decently consistent and a better fit for frank wright's west coast offense than i would have expected it's a more you know uh the horizontal style offense and hilton's more of a vertical talent but he's fit in well he's been racking up yak uh but against these defenses but play very tough press coverage like jack Jacksonville and Houston and Dallas, they don't let their receivers shake free. So I think this offense is going to get shut down down the stretch, as I've already said, with luck. So I would be selling Hilton as fast as I could if I can get some decent value for his name. Bears, you don't care about. There's no true number one in Matt Nagy. Spread it all. Spread the wealth, you know, Andy Reid-style offense. There's no one there you're relying on. Somehow the experts still think Allen Robinson's a thing. He never has been. We've never bought in, and you never no, should now, haven't. especially with this schedule. Part, I mean, Dolphins, what, Amendola, Parker, Stills? Let's pass. No need to spend time on it. I do quickly mention the Titans because Corey Davis is a fucking ass white loser. If Corey who, Davis was a woman in a bar, what would he look like? A, somebody who everybody says is so sexy and beautiful, and there's no fucking justification for it. You don't get any reason why people are attracted to this human being. And that's the reason I bring them up is because I keep seeing experts being like, Corey Davis has a nice schedule. Moving forward, he's so talented. He got thirty percent of the targets this week. I got he offered Corey Davis sucks. in a trade, and and I I responded. I hope you reject. I responded. I hate Corey Davis. Don't offer me Corey oh, Davis in any disgusting. deal again. You wanted Trey Burton for Corey Davis. People, keep, yeah. I don't care who you want. You could fucking want a bag of dirt, and it wouldn't be worth it. The guy's a fucking loser, and everyone keeps justifying it. I don't know why. All I the agree with you a hundred percent. I just want to be clear. Everyone keeps saying like, "Oh, his schedule is going to lighten up." No, it's the 29th hardest schedule. Dude, you There's, could put I don't me in the NFL. You could put me in the NFL as a receiver and give me the easiest goddamn schedule there was, and I would still suck ass. Okay, right, exactly. and that's the situation that Corey cool. Davis and his owners find themselves in. Right, exactly. So the really, like you mentioned, the only names that other than T. Y. Hilton that mattered here were the Chiefs, and it's a, the the fifth hardest schedule here. But similar to Mahomes, it's a, just a you can't defend this team. They're just absolute juggernaut. Uh, so many different weapons that even if it is the the fifth hardest schedule, you can't stop them because there's just no way of putting two defenders on Hill and then Watkins is streaking down the field and Kelsey's terrorizing the seams and it, it might become a little bit less than what you've been getting with his Tyree Kill leads the league in touchdowns and things like that. And maybe it's capped off a little bit and the ceiling is less and just a tad, but still it's the Chiefs. They're indefensible. I'm not going to suddenly be selling Hill and Watkins unless it's like I've seen a few offers out there like you know Tyree Kill for Christian McCaffrey and if they're running back medium, oh yeah, definitely. Let's do that move uh so if you're getting similar type of value okay maybe you can move hill but ultimately i'm not out here selling hill and and aggressively trying to get rid of these guys it's just too good of an offense all right we're going to talk about the fantasy playoff outlook for wide receivers five easiest playoff schedules for teams 
Carolina, number one, Dallas, number two, Green Bay, number three, New Orleans, number four, Pittsburgh, number five. I want to throw in a quick reminder to people or just maybe a little bit of philosophy of my own here on waiver dollars here because I found myself in a, a pretty difficult situation here moving into this week with all these guys on by. I desperately needed a receiver. I literally only had one receiver who wasn't on by on my roster. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling was by far mm-hmm. the best guy on waivers. I have, th- I have 13 waiver dollars left. Yeah. I, I bid 12. Yeah. I've there, was a, there was another guy who needed a receiver who had 93 waiver dollars left. He bid three. Guys, guys, you can't take it with you. No. It's, it was, it's point, moronic. Right? And I mean, look, I'm not saying I'm going to win the league. I'm not saying I'm going to win this week. I'm not saying Scantling's going to be great. I'm just saying, like, what do you, what are you saving this pretend money for? I had 13 bucks. I bet all but $1 on it because I needed this guy. He was the best guy out there. This guy had money he could wipe his ass with. And he's like, he's betting stingily in week 10 or 11. You'd think that's just idiotic, right? A hundred percent idiotic. I mean, there's very rare at this point that a true difference maker is going to emerge barring injury. So maybe he's just saving up for like Spencer Ware if Kareem Hunt goes down or something of that nature. But if he needed a wide receiver and failed, Valdez Scantling's out there and he only bid three bucks, he's a complete fucking moron. I think he, he 12 a, bucks is a steal for you. I, he was oh yeah, by I feel far great away. He was the only, even not just wide receiver, just waiver wire talent that it slightly intrigued me this week. And he, he more than slightly intrigues me. He's very, I mean, 6'4", runs a 4'3", 7'40". Uh, just every single week seems to make that huge catch with Aaron Rodgers. Highlight real plays, can go up and get the ball, can play the slot, get it moved all over. And then you got Geronimo Allison going on IR. Randall Cobb is clearly washed up. So, I mean, this is Aaron Rodgers' clear-cut number two guy behind only Devontae Adams. And you're telling me he's only worth three bucks? What an absolute moron. I think he's going to have, if there's any guy I would peg for stretch run hero status, I really think Valdez Scantlin, MBS, mm. could be that guy. He's got physical makeup he's got the surrounding talent and now he's going to have the volume with everybody else kind of crumbling around him i really like this guy and then as you mentioned easiest wide receiver playoff schedules he's right there yeah, the he's number, right, number three right easy his playoff schedule so i think he's going to help owners get to the playoffs and he's going to really light it up from weeks 14 to 16 so if he's somehow still out there in leagues i think he's still under half uh 50 owned blows my mind this guy is going to be a difference maker down your stretch you want to know something that's interesting in my hometown league and i know i'm on a tangent here we still have uh, no, one more like position it. to go. The guys that seem to hold on to their waiver money as if it's real money, and you know, will end the season with eighty or ninety out of their hundred dollars or more, are the guys who actually have money in real life. Right? Yeah, they're just real stringy. Right? Like, I mean, I don't have any money, and I'm like, shit. I'll bet. <laughs> I'll bet forty bucks on Nick Chubb. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you know, like. Uh, so anyway, I don't know if that's true in all leagues or if it's just it this particular it, group yeah. of guys. <laughs> but, you know, there's maybe like three guys in the league that have money and they just have tons of waiver money like sitting around still. It's, anyway. Right into their mind to be fucking cheap pricks. Right. So right now I'm throwing it around. Once the Road Street Journal takes off, though, I'm going to start getting real stingy with my waiver money. <laughs> all right. Five wide, uh, hardest wide receiver playoff schedules uh, remaining. Miami, number one. We talked about most of these. Most of these are the same teams we talked about, but not all. Right. Uh, Indianapolis, 30. Tennessee, 30, 29, Philadelphia, 28, Washington. All right, let's move on to tight ends. Tight ends, five easiest schedules the rest of the way. Number one, Cleveland Browns and David Njoku, or Nyoku, depending on how you want to pronounce it on that given day. Number two, the Saints and Ben Ben Watson. Number three, the Ravens, Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, another guy. Who knows? (laughs) 
Number four, Denver Broncos, Jeff Hewerman. Jeff Hewerman is what we would have accepted there. And number five, <laughs> Vance McDonald and Jesse James representing the Steelers, probably about to be joined by Le'Veon Bell, who was spotted in a Pittsburgh fitness center earlier today. Go I ahead, know. Bill. Interesting little notes here. Uh, but let's stick to tight ends here. I could go on a tangent about Le'Veon Bell and his fucking useless ass. What the fuck is that the guy doing, man? fantasy seasons, <laughs> uh, which I would love to do right now. But we got tight ends to talk about. And David Njoku at the top of the list. We've actually been hinting at this for four yeah. or five straight weeks here uh, because David Njoku's schedule is gorgeous. It still remains gorgeous. And, yes, he had that one just terrifying week eight goose egg. But other yep. than that, he's been much better under Baker Mayfield. He was the tight end 36 in the three weeks before Baker took over. And then once Baker's taken over, he's uh, jumped up to the tight end nine so far. And that includes that goose egg game. So he's been clearly much, much better. He had those 15 and 13.2 efforts, uh, seven fancy points in every single game other than that goose egg with Mayfield. Uh, so he's been solid. And again, seven points doesn't seem crazy, but this position has been tight ends so brutal this year that seven fancy points can actually be a big edge. And he has the upside here with his schedule to have many more of those 15, 13 point days. Freddie Kitchens also an offensive coordinator went to Mayfield said, what are you comfortable with? And Mayfield historically has always loved peppering his tight ends. So I'm expecting a nice stretch run here from David Njoku, despite that bad zero goose egg. I think he could have a, a solid stretch run here. So keep on holding to him. Ben Watson, interesting name, the under armor mannequin, even though he's what? 38, 97, whatever, how old he's touchdown grab last week against the Rams. Yeah. He had a nice one too. Uh, he's been pretty involved. He's been, you know, just three out of eight weeks, he's been really useful. But two of those useful games have come in the last three weeks. And that's uncoincidentally when Ted Ginn has been removed from the lineup after that bye. He's been pretty heavily. And now I'm not saying he's taking Ted Ginn's deep shot targets. It's, it's a 38-year-old tight end. So, no, that's not the case. But there are vacated targets. And, and Watts has been cleaning them up. Very of note, too, 14, 15, 16, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Pittsburgh. Second easiest, first easiest, fourth easiest for Ben Watson in your fantasy playoffs. Absolute dream cakewalk. Wow. That 60 is nuts, man. Uh, I could see him. Right. Exactly. Just those three matchups in general, even with Des Bryant coming there. So targets will get tighter, but I, I could see him going for quite the run. Baltimore Ravens, you don't give a shit one week. It's going to be fucking Nick Boyle. It might be Hayden Hurst. They're all interesting talents on their own right, but there's too many of them. Denver Broncos, Jeff Hewerman, as you mentioned, uh, very intriguing actually to me. Sounds like a complete creature, but this guy is six, five runs with solid straight line speed can kind of get moved all over the formation and is fresh off. As a first game away from Demarius Thomas, 11 targets, team leading 11 targets, 10 catches, 83 and a TD, 19.3 fantasy points. Now, that doesn't mean every single week now without Demarius Thomas is going to go this way. But clearly, he's stepped up into a more prominent pass-catching role over in that intermediate range where Thomas used to really uh, operate. So if you don't have yourself a Kelsey and Ertz and Olsen, Jeff Heumann, outside of the bye this week, has a complete joke matchup, no red lights. Uh, three green lights, three mediocre yellows with San Fran, Cleveland. Not Nothing scary there. So I like Jeff Ruhrman, uh quite a bit here moving down the stretch. All right. Let's talk about the guys with the roughest stretch end in the way. Indianapolis Colts, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. I got to say their schedule's bad and also the fact that you know they're both back together is another mm-hmm. turnoff for me, even though I like them both individually. Oh, yeah. Houston Texans, number 31, uh, Jordan Thomas, Jordan Atkins. Someone else named Jordan. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Number 30, the Rams. Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. I think, Bill, are you just making up like fake secret agent names? 
<laughs> right? Exactly. Tyler Higby. Tyler if I Higby. said if I were just throwing names out to you and I were like, I'm like, what do you think about Gerald Everett? How about Tyler Higby? I think people would just kind of look at me and just be like, you're just making up names off the top of your head. Number 29, yeah. Washington, Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis. Who said Jordan you. Reed was going to suck? Thank you. 28, <laughs> New, Orleans, uh, New England Patriots, Rob Gronkowski, if the guy even decides to grace the field with his presence. Right. Yeah. All right, talk about these guys. I mean, we can obviously skip the Texans and the, the Rams because their tight ends don't matter. I get Jordan Thomas. I was actually hoping you could spend a couple games. minutes on Tyler Higby. Yeah, would you like it? He was born on a brisk 1983 <laughs> afternoon. Oh, I remember it well. Eight pounds and nine ounces. Tyler oh, Higby, yeah. <laughs> Biggest but, uh, baby in three counties. Exactly, yes. Uh, made up person. But we'll talk about the Colts for sure. Again, the worst matchup. Again, you keep hearing that name. It's a brutal schedule for all positions, which is not good for anyone involved. And as you mentioned, too, they're eating each other's cheese there. Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron are. Uh, Ebron was so dominant. He's a tight end four in fantasy right now. Thanks to a position best, a league best, seven receiving touchdowns tied with Tyree Kill. He's been dominating, especially in the red zone. He had a red zone touchdown last week, so he should stay Eric Ebron, a prominent figure in the red zone. But what makes me very nervous is, uh, whereas he was a 80 to 70 to 80 percent snap player with Doyle gone, his other games, the three games Doyle's been active, Ebron played 45 percent, 26 percent, and then most concerningly in this last game, 21 percent of snaps. Even though he's been dominating, he got relegated right back into a complete. Afterthought, 21% of snaps. Uh, he's only seen uh, 12 targets in those games, Eric Ebron, as compared to 22 for Doyle, who's played 93%, 96%, and 73% of snaps when active. So this is kind of the Doyle show, uh, and, and Eric Ebron gets kind of forgotten here when both are active. Even if he does catch those touchdowns and save his days, the usage has to be concerning to you. But I wouldn't be buying on Doyle either. That schedule is daunting. It's terrifying. And now with both of these guys kind of active and eating each other's cheese, I I don't think you can trust any of them. I would definitely be selling Ebron as high as I could. And Doyle, if anybody actually wants him, feel free to sell him uh, as well. But I think you can make a real good case to sell Ebron, the tight end four. You mentioned Jordan Reed. He's sucked all year. Uh, tight end 18 on the season. And shockingly, it's not because of health. He's stayed healthy all year. So I think you mentioned a good point when we talked about why Reed's going to suck is after all these injuries, how could he still be that same unfair athletic advantage when he's had injuries to literally everything to the point he looks like an operation board when you look at his injury fucking drop. And that's true. He clearly just doesn't look like that same experience explosive guy uh, does not have that type of seam stretching up that he once had. So yes, he gets a blow up spot this week against Tampa Bay probably will do great, but unfortunately that's too late for you to sell this guy. I would say, enjoy that blow up, cut him. Every single matchup from there on out is red, 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 awful, awful schedule. He's already been awful, even in good matchups. So Jordan Reed, what a piece of shit. Rob Gronkowski, the, the main important name there. Uh, obviously, owners, what do I do with this guy? I've seen a lot of buy-low articles. It's Gronkowski, the number one seam stretcher. He's always been a beast, the focal point of the Pats passing attack for so many years. But it's not the case this year. He's just not as healthy or explosive as he's been. I've watched, obviously, every single Patriots game, and this is not the Gronk we're used to seeing. Uh, so just a, you know, a schedule would not be the thing that would ever scare me away from Gronk. But when he's already playing pretty hampered, doesn't look like himself, and then he gets the fifth hardest schedule, I would not be running and buying low. In fact, if people are trying to buy him and I own him, 
I'll entertain those offers and see what I could get at this point. I'd probably accept a quality wide receiver two or running back two. I mean, like, give me Nick Chubb all day over God, Rob Gronkowski. If anybody offers you Nick Chubb for Gronkowski, they're freaking you, morons. They're morons. But I think you. Gronkowski might I, still have that name value. He does have name value. I have him in my hometown league, and I have received zero offers for him. Yeah, it's been brutal. All right, let's talk about tight ends for the fantasy playoffs. Easiest playoff schedules, number one, Ben Watson of the Saints. Number two, David Njoku of the Browns. Number three, Jared Cook of the Raiders. Number four, Antonio Gates, speaking of 38 or 49-year-old tight ends. (laughs) And whoever's playing for the Ravens, number five. Uh, Just as an FYI, my Rota Street Journal League that I'm currently 8-1 and in, my tight end, Ben Watson. All right, let's move on to the hardest playoff tight end schedules. Last place, or first place, depending on how you want to look at it, Jordan Reed, uh, number 31, uh, Tyler Higby, and uh, Gerald Everett of the Rams. Number <laughs> biggest Shit, baby. I have to cut those guys? B- biggest Damn baby it. in three counties. Uh, number 30, the Buccaneers, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait. Number 29, the Texans, insert name here. And number 28, the Jets and Chris Herndon. Man, man, the Jets suck. Anyway, yeah. uh, and they have a bad <laughs> schedule, so too bad for them. That's it, guys. You just you, we we hit that pretty hard, and that was a ton of information. I hope you guys appreciated that. Aside from the one tangent I went on where I was yelling about waiver dollars, uh, I think we pretty much went straight through straight through there. And I hope you guys even got a lot out of it. That was fun. Even when your tangent brought up a very interesting point that Marquez Valdez Scanling is going to be a monster down the stretch. So that was a, a maybe the most valuable part of this podcast was that rant because I, I really do love Marquez Valdez Scanling. If we had our usual preview show, if we talk about him, if we do have it maybe this week, tomorrow, uh, we'll see. Then, then he will certainly be a guy we talk about. I can't wait for what he's going to do this week. Uh, but yeah, no, loaded strength of schedule information, and that was just you know three minute rants as much as I could pack that was into. Good. If you want, you got you almost prefer- every guy. I tried my, my best, but there's definitely more information packed into this guide, rotostreetjournal.com slash SOS. Uh, there'll be posts on the site, obviously on the Instagram as well, Roto Street Journal. We have good slideshows to check out for all these guys. Uh, Facebook, will be doing video breakdowns and all that stuff too. Of all this great stuff, Friday is your trade deadline though. This pod will probably be released Wednesday night, early Thursday morning so hopefully you hear this you get it in time uh to make some moves because this is crucial stuff that could really set you up for either that win now get the guy that's going to carry you to the playoffs or if you're set up well you get that guy that once the playoffs hit is going to just torch the the earth and torch your league uh those guys are set up we talked about some of them here you can find out even more again one last time rotostreetjournal.com slash sos check them out now two things i'm going to let you talk about Real quick, yes. even though you just pumped up a bunch of good stuff. We're going to do two one-minute bonus segments here. First Ooh. thing, talk about Le'Veon Bell for a minute because I know you want to. I, I mean, it's just such a fucking cock-sucking move to just hang around. If I was his team, I'd be so pissed right now. It's like let people know what you're going to do. If you're going to hold out, fine. Let the team know so they can move forward and get rid of you uh, and just let James Conner Don't just hover around. Ooh, he's now in by farewell Miami. I spell farewell wrong, tweeting out, and then he shows up and hovers in a fucking gym like this little ghost. Is he or isn't he? What's he going to do, team? Just get the fuck out of here. They've already been better off with James Conner. All the stats point to James Conner having better season than Le'Veon Bell's ever put up there. He's scoring at an unbelievable rate. So let's just not ruin this absolute fantasy godsend of James Conner. I know the meat sweats is with me on that one. Uh, and, and just get the fuck out of here, Le'Veon Bell. Like, go to a new home next year. Stop hovering like some fucking phantom over your team and hold.
holding all the shit over their head. Like, you're a great player, but you've already kind of proven that you're replaceable because James Conner is doing it even better than you've ever done. So let's get rid of you. Get to a new home. Let's move on to next year. Just say you're not coming back for 2018. Please. Get all right. out of here. Second thing I wanted to talk about, and this one's a little bit more fun. Uh, I read a oh. really good article that made a pretty compelling case that Nathan Peterman is the worst uh, starting quarterback in the history of the NFL. Like, ever. Yeah. Like, with a minimum of, like, 130 attempts or something like that. Uh, Right. Just like, yeah, this guy's the worst that's ever played the game. And, you know, obviously they're talking about, you know, is he better than someone that played in, like, 1945? Yeah, probably. But, like, we're looking at, like, we're looking at, like, well, I don't know. They're, like, looking at, like, QBR, which is not even, like, really a, a stat that I understand particularly, but I yeah. know the higher it is, the better it, the better that is. And it was like they were showing, like, the people that had the last, the lowest ratings of anybody. Mm-hmm. And these were guys, like, and I, I pride myself on knowing who people are. I hadn't heard of these guys. Like, that's how, like, bad they were. Like, I didn't even know their names. And, like, their ratings, like, for their career were, like, 66, 65, right. stuff like that, 63. And then Peterman is the last guy and like the the next to last guy was like was like 63 and then Peterman's 32. Oh my god. Just so embarrassing. I mean it wasn't even like he was in the league with like the next lowest guys. It's like he was yeah. like it was like here's like the worst guys ever and then here's Nathan Peterman like several Just several leagues beyond away. them. Yeah, he's like the worst guy ever. Do you know that there's a GoFundMe campaign founded uh funded by Bills fans to try to get him to retire from the NFL? <laughs> That's incredible. I did not know love that, the but it's fans. very deservedly so. I, I love Bills Mafia. I know. What a tortured franchise. Uh, but they, they just keep coming back at it. I actually saw an interesting stat, too, that he I think he threw three interceptions this weekend and actually lowered his interception per attempt ratio which is just it goes to tell you how bad this motherfucker no, his, has been. His, oh. his career interception, like per attempt, OK, is like um, is almost 10 percent. It's like yeah. it's like nine point eight percent. Like like if the guy drops back to pass ever under any circumstances, it's like a ten percent chance he's gonna get picked off. That That's is so that bad. is amazing. And like and like Aaron Rodgers like will throw like two picks for like every four hundred passes or something he throws or something right. like that. I mean this guy's like in that same period, yeah, I'd have been picked off fifty times if they would just, just like uncourt. He's so he's so 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 terrible. I'm in a right. two quarterback league. And, you know, where you can have a, your second flex be a quarterback. And mm-hmm. uh, my, Flacco's on by, and I really need another quarterback because they, they're big points guys. And I looked on waivers, and the best guy there was Peterman. I was like, nope, oh, I'm going to be putting just a res- by, I'm, I'm going to be putting, no, right? putting Marquez Valdez Scantling in there. <laughs> I know, seriously. Oh. Well, do, do check for uh, Josh McCowan because I think Sam Darnold might not play. So if you need a quarterback, I will. maybe Josh That's McCowan gets the magic play. Either way, hot, just hot tip. I wouldn't be surprised if that works out, actually. All right, all right. We went a little bit long, but that was a great podcast. Uh, social media, did you cover that when you were talking about the guide? Pretty much all of it, other than Facebook, Roto Street Journal, and my personal. If you have a trade deadline question that you're just itching over and you want a second opinion, I'll take every single question. I love answering them at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter or Snapchat. Hit me up. Get your trade questions in. Make sure you can feel confident. And then just check out the big board, too, rotostreetjournal.com slash bigboardros. 
is just the rest of season big board that's based off of now the strength of schedule stuff and whatnot has been updated. It's in the guide as well, rotostreetjournal.com slash SOS. Uh, both of those things just must check out. And, of course, the Road Street Journal stock watch every single day updated in real time. All of that stuff is crucial. And if you liked what you heard, if you want more pulverizing lead audio blocks, make sure you're subscribing to the best podcast out there for fantasy football advice. We will get you to that title. Let's go, Wolfpack Week 10, baby. Got to get that win and dominate that trade deadline. That's it. My name's Nat the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys later. Now's our curtain call, so hold for the applause. Oh, 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 and wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.